Welcome to the Poem the Parsha, the podcast, Adrian. Rivi. Good morning. Hi, and here we are. It's another Parsha. It is. It's another Parsha. It's another poem. It's another lens on, on our text and, and, and I think on our, ourselves. And I think it's great that you said that because I do want to say with some tones of um, some do sobriety or soberness today is Yom HaZikaron that we are recording on Yom HaZikaron. Tonight will be Yom HaAsma'ut. So it's Israel Memorial Day, Israel Independence Day coming. And I think that our tradition always reflects all of those uh, things for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We cannot help but be steered by the circumstances in which we live. I think that is a quotable quote. Oh, um, gosh. Put yeah, it on my and, tombstone. And, um, and this week's is a double Torah portion, a double Parshat HaShavua, Acharemot and Kedoshim. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of kind of jokes about that. I'm not sure if you know those jokes. Um, how about you tell us one just for just for the sake of itself? Achremot, after someone dies, Kedoshim, they're holy. Meaning, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah meaning, uh, while they're alive, we get to be, you know, kind of screaming and yelling and always in a something with them. But after they die, you know, they're they're great. But that's, yes, that's one of those traditional jokes. But with lots of seriousness, Acharemot is, of course, after the death of the sons of Aharon. And last week's Torah portion was Tazri Matsoro, but before that was Shemini, which we talked about the death of the sons of Moshe and Aaron. And it is interesting that we are talking a lot in these days around Holocaust Memorial and Israeli um, Memorial Day of people who are truly Kedoshim, holy ones who gave up their life for Kiddush Hashem and for the sanctifying of God's name in the Shoah and, of course, Medinat Yisrael. And so it is kind of poignant that it's Acharemot Kedoshim, not Absolutely. as but seriously, no. that after these lives have been sacrificed for um, the sake of God, heaven, Judaism, Torah, higher ideals, Israel, that we do honor them. And so... That's what we're all going through today. Whenever anyone is listening to the podcast, that's what's going on now. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so to frame this week's Parsha, we have curated um, a, a poet and poem that that I think speaks to both um, the spiritual and the, um, I hate to say political, but I do think that there is like a, a political... Um, lens on this we chose sailing to byzantium by william butler yates um yates was a protestant who was born in born and educated in dublin and later in london um and he was he really occupied this sort of interesting space as a sort of Anglo-Irishman um, who was influenced by the capital R romantics, you know, Keats and Wordsworth and Blake and, and all of the sort of school of romantics that we think of, um, who I think gave us modern poetry as a gift in some ways. Like they were oh my, very- I'm go so ahead. appreciating everything you said. Of course, I, first of all, I do want to say that this is a Yeats first 
for us. We have yes. never done a poem by Yeats. And am I saying it correctly? Um, his biography is so interesting. And he goes into this whole mysticism thing. He really does. And he's really, I think, you know, writing from a politically, uh, geopolitically complicated place. He's writing from a personally complicated place. Um, but this particular poem is is a way of thinking about sort of the eternity of the human experience and our sort of innate, you know, remember he's influenced by the romantics and he's very interested in this sort of um, yearning, the sort of spiritual longings of the romantic. You know, I wander long, I wander, I wander lonely as a cloud. Um, these sort of like deeply emotional poems and deeply emotional um, experiences that they write about are very present in this particular poem. And they did a lot of experimenting with- In so many ways. In, yeah, and I'm like really so surprised by it all that they were really into mysticism and- Oh, they were. And practical, like communing with the next world and very interestingly and so it's interesting then that this is the poem that he writes so i wanted to simply say something about parshat kedoshim parshat kedoshim you know lists mitzvah after mitzvah after mitzvah commandment after commandment after commandment and but it is all within the framework of kedoshim to you be holy and mm -hmm. so what's really interesting is what does it mean to be holy within judaism uh in contradistinction to other religions perhaps holy does not necessarily mean you're fasting, you're living a life of asceticism, you're all by yourself up on a mountain. But no, actually, no, it's, it's you're in totally with human beings and how you get along with your neighbor. And do you have fair weights and measures? And are you being kind to the stranger? And do you love everyone, you know, as yourself? And specifically this mitzvah, mi pnei seva takum v'hadarta pnei zaken, that we must honor those who are older than us, the elderly. This is probably a verse that is in the front hall of every Jewish nursing home. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that, but the very practical person in me is like, of course it is. Of course it is. Okay, so let's read the poem. This is the poem. Um, and I also want to say before I read that that each of these, there are four stanzas of eight lines written in iambic pentameter, um, and they are numbered. I'm not going to read the numbers, but you, I will try to pause for a second between each one so that each stanza stands on its own as it is written. So this is Sailing to Byzantium by William Butler Yeats. That is no country for old men. The young in one another's arms, birds in the trees, those dying generations at their song. The salmon falls, the mackerel crowded seas, fish, flesh, or fowl commend all summer long, whatever is begotten, born, and dies, caught in that sensual music, all neglect, monuments of unaging intellect. An aged man is but a paltry thing, a tattered coat upon a stick, unless soul clap its hands and sing, and louder sing for every tatter in its mortal dress. Nor is there singing school, but studying monuments of its own magnificence, and therefore I have sailed the seas and come to the holy city of Byzantium.
O sages standing in God's holy fire, as in the gold mosaic of a wall, come from the holy fire, pern in gyre, and let and be the singing masters of my soul. Consume my heart away, sick with desire, and fastened to a dying animal, it knows not what it is, and gather me into the artifice of eternity. Once out of nature I shall never take my bodily form from any natural thing, but such a form as Grecian goldsmiths make of hammered gold and gold enameling to keep a drowsy emperor awake, or set upon a golden bough to sing to lords and ladies of Byzantium of what is past or passing or to come. This is such a beautiful poem. And I want to deeply appreciate what I learned about William Butler Yeats yesterday when I was looking into this is he worked really hard at his poetry. And he, mm -hmm. was, he was with a whole group of poets and, and artists who worked very hard on their poems and they would write and they would read and they would write and they would read. And this is, I know it's like even arrogant for me, little Rivi, to say, this is a magnificent poem, but this is a magnificent poem. This, yes, yes. This is when I say, when someone asks me, because they do this, when someone asks me, what's a poem? This is one of the poems I point to. Oh, who knew? That's, I'm really happy to hear that because you and I have never really discussed this poem before. No. I, I want to just, there's so many interesting things that as we're hearing this poem, you can see how many of the lines have been adopted in popular culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like No Country for Old Men. Wasn't that a movie or a book by McCormick? Um, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so do you want to explain why it's Byzantium or shall I? Um, I'm interested to hear. And what, I mean, I can tell you why I, quote, think it's Byzantium. But I'm interested in what you have found. Because so, I remember that I approached this. I have learned this poem as a poet. I have not necessarily spent the same amount of time with this poem as a student of literature. So go ahead. I'm really well, interested. I, well, I was, you know, Byzantium is, of course, modern day Istanbul. Yes, I believe. Okay. And there is an idea, I believe, that Christianity emerged from there and that these group of people wanted to go back there. And so sailing, that's sailing to Byzantium. So am I wrong? What would you have said? I would have said, yes, I believe that, that um, Byzantium was at the time like a cradle of one of the Eastern Orthodox churches. Right, exactly. Um, and so there was, I mean, I think there always is amid, amidst the religious life, a, a yearning to return to the place of our origins and to the place where we were sort of, as a people experienced a formative time. So I'm not surprised to hear that. I, um, yes. And I do think that there, that this is really about sort of a yearning for eternal life, a yearning for holiness, a yearning for a relationship with the divine. Um, and I think Byzantium happens to be a sort of convenient place to put that. Now, there's so I mentioned um, no country for old men. Mm -hmm. There's also this golden bow. Yes. So that's a course, that's a book by jo uh, Campbell. Yeah. So it became the name of the book about myths. Yes. Um, 
and um, by I think everyone should own that book. If you are right. a student of literature, if you are a student of poetry, even if you are a student of our holy text, you should own that book because okay. it is formative. Yeah, carry absolutely. on. Absolutely, James George Fraser, The Golden Bough, and is it Bow or Bow? And and it's that actually comes from the Aeneid. It is one yes. of the stories in the Aeneid. So, you know, we're getting a lot of references to um, things that we're, we should know about, the Holy Fire. That said, it is a poem which has a rhythm, it's lilting, and it seems mm -hmm. to be telling the story of aging. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we get it right. The first line, there is, this is, that is no country for old men. So what does that mean? Meaning there's no place for old men in, in this world? Um, I think we, I think, ev I think almost every culture that we are intimate with is youth obsessed. There you go. And by the way, No Country for Old Men is a Joel and Ethan Cohen movie from 2007 yes. based on the book by Cormac McCarthy. Yes, yes, yes. Which is a... Um, I've taught McCarthy many times. I really much, very much enjoy teaching McCarthy. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I frankly have picked up his books and I can't even get past a few pages. They're hard to read. They're hard to read. I will, I absolutely acknowledge that. And I have said that every time I've taught it, this will be hard to read. Um, and I think, I, I think especially this first stanza is particularly rich um, the, the first line is in its entirety, that is no country for old men, the young, and then there's a line break, in one another's arms, birds in the trees, those dying generations at their song. Well, let's talk about um, some of the tension here with older people. Let's be frank and open about it. Yeah. I think that as we age, of course, there's a new generation and their new ideas and people love new i yes people love new people love sitting around organizational boardroom tables and the one question they have is how can we attract the young people yep right and by the way as a baby boomer there's a lot more of us old people around um but there is a general feeling as the old, they're passing the baton, they're moving on, the hope and the dreams, the future are young people. And mm -hmm. there is a feeling as you're getting old, and I'm getting old more than you are getting old. Um, and there's a feeling that you kind of notice people not caring as much about you as we age. Mm -hmm. and, and there's even this idea of, you know, don't cast, what does it say in this psalm? Don't cast us off in our old age. Mm -hmm. um, and that also, by the way, is a quote that's in a lot of nursing homes. And so our Torah portion this week tells us, you must rise for a person who is old. And you must honor the elderly and a lot of I'd like to there's something I say in a lot of classes so I'm just going to say it mm -hmm. um, we all think that the, it's a mitzvah oh a mitzvah is something I get to do and I'm like that's not what the word mitzvah means mitzvah no. is something I'm commanded and often very 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 often we're commanded because we it would not come naturally to do it and so we are <gasps> okay so stop we, there for a minute yeah that's what a mitzvah is. 
you know, if we would have figured it out, I mean, of course, there's the typical don't steal, don't murder. We get it. Of course. But a lot of times a mitzvah is something that if we hadn't been commanded to do it, we would probably be happy not to. And so we are told we must honor the elderly. We must honor those who are older than us because that's not the natural way of the world. The natural way of the world is that we honor the young, the tall, the handsome, the promised, the pretty, and what's old and not looking so beautiful and not with it as much, we tend as a society to cast aside. And, yes. and our Torah is telling us, no, give them honor. The Hadar Tapanezaken, you must Really, the word hadar is an interesting word here. Mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. we know we know priyets hadar because an etrog is called priyets hadar because it's the most beautiful food. So the hadar tapines I can, I'm even going to even kind of tear up. It's like we should think of an older person as the most beautiful. The hadarta, that's what's beautiful. An old, an older person who has acquired wisdom and who has lived through life and has done so much let's give them the honor yes are you there yes i, I am i'm okay. thinking very deeply about what you said i'm you thinking know, very deeply about what you said and i'm thinking about it as i read the second stanza of the poem let's hear because there is what here's what i think i read this as with a tone, I read this as sort of flippant. An aged man is but a poultry yes, thing. Yes, an aged man is but a poultry thing, a tattered coat upon a stick, unless soul clap its hands and sing and louder sing for every tatter in its mortal dress. Nor is there singing school but studying monuments of its own magnificence. And therefore I have sailed the seas and come to the holy city of Byzantium. Okay, what does that mean, Adrian? So I think we're sort of put, so that we've got the first two couple of lines and aged, like I, it's, I, it, to me, it reads as ironic. Like you, yeah. youth obsessed people, like you treat these yeah. elderly yeah. people, these people with, with incredible knowledge in music and literature and art and experience in these things. You, you people who are building monuments to your own magnificence, you yeah. are, you are missing you are missing this, and and I think in sort of a a, a un, unique way, he's sort of saying, and therefore I have sailed the seas and come to the holy city of Byzantium. I am going to the place where I will live forever. Maybe not on this in in this mortal coil, but to a place where I can live forever, where it does not matter, where age is not part of the same the the same. Um, it is not reflected in the same way. I think he's going through a little bit of a conflict and I'm cheating. I'm looking at some interpretation of it. Sure. Um, and I think he's a little conflicted. And so, of course, you know, at first he's very drawn to the young and like, I don't want to be hanging out with the old man in the world. It's nothing but a skinny, ratty old scarecrow. Um, he has to keep his soul alive, but no one can teach the soul to do this if you want to keep your soul alive, you have to do that with your own learning. And so maybe he doesn't want to become old. So he's going to sail to Byzantium. Possible? Possible. But also Byzantium is like one of the oldest 
cities. Right. So, I mean, I think there is, I wonder if that yearning is more about immortality. There you go. And about in the final, age. Yes. And in the final verse, does he become a piece of, does he become immortal because he becomes a beautiful piece of golden art? Or Yes. Yes, absolutely. Which oh, is which weird. Is sort of, yeah. I well, I mean, I also think that this is where the sort of Keats, the Keats um, influences, you know, beauty is truth and truth beauty it is all you need to know on it is all you know on earth and all you need to know okay Once, I'm gonna say, I, I have something that's really interesting to say I think please. I hope so okay so this is really making me think about this so in this summary that I'm cheating with on the interweb uh, or he'll be a golden bird placed on a golden tree where he like the sages can teach people his eternal otherworldly wisdom his transcendent understanding the past the present the future so here it is people in this really is funny and interesting because Vahadarta Pnei Zaken, Zaken means old, but it mm -hmm. also, Adrian, stands for Zekhana Chachma, that when we talk about an older oh. person, we're talking about a wise person. Yes. And so, and that's, what's interesting is that's the trajectory of this poem, that older people, they have all of this wisdom and how are we going to keep it? And it's interesting that we're going to, continue to understand their wisdom, just like we continue to look at an old relic, a golden bow, a golden, you know, something. And I just want to say there's a beautiful Talmudic passage that talks about the golden ark, right? The, the Aron has in it mm -hmm. the tablets of the law, but Adrian also has the broken tablets. And the Gemara says, and let's all try not to start crying at once, the broken tablets are a Tami Chacham who has lost his memory. And so broken, shattered, but still there. And the Torah is telling us here, we must continue to honor those who live that rich life and have learned and have studied and have acquired wisdom. And you know why? Maybe society will let you dispose of older people, put them away somewhere, but God is watching every single move. Oof. Oh. Wow. Wow. It, this is heavy. Uh, this is heavy. I'm I'm sitting with this, and I'm sitting with with this in relation to this day. And how many have you seen pictures on Facebook of older people holding their arm with their number on it? Of course. And all of the older Israeli people who have really given their lives to Medinat Israel. And mm -hmm. and what's really interesting is also young people so many young people have given their lives and you know it's just we're we're, we're in a poignant moment in the calendar and mm -hmm. and it's hard to not take note of it i i do want to say that i did something for the first time this year before pesach mm -hmm. i led our local nursing home klein gallon i led their seder and so I rushed, rushed, rushed all the Pesach prep. And then I ran down to Klein Gallon and I did the Seder at five o'clock or five. Yeah, it was five o'clock. And it's something I really feel so committed to. I've been to that Seder before sitting with my father and mm -hmm. it's very hard. The whole thing is so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, that said, it is the whole Seder in 40 minutes. Um, and so <laughs> you laugh or you cry. And so yes. it was 
It was a beautiful experience. I was so grateful that I had been asked to do it. And yes. my kiddish wasn't the best kiddish, but you know, it's a forgiving audience. But then we, it's so deeply interesting to see what people remember and how the songs are something they remember. And let yes. me tell you, it was a hearty Dayenu that we sang. And, oh. Oh. and, and it's so beautiful. And, you know, you can't like stop crying barely, but there's everyone sitting in the Klangala in the nursing homes, dining room, and they each have Seder plates and matzah, and they're sitting there with their grown children and maybe a grandchild or two. And it's just very poignant because they were the ones that made us a Seder. And I'm now it, crying. Oh, I mean, it's, it's true. I think we, I think in so many ways, the older people in our lives have essentially sailed us to Byzantium. They have sailed us to a place where we can feel like we are participating in something that will, that came before us and that will continue after us. And we should honor and make splendid their efforts and their experiences and their vast knowledge. I'm going to just sign off with the last two lines to lords and ladies of Byzantium of what is past or passing or to come. That's just it. I mean, okay. All right. Well, that was a little heavy. I hope everyone has a Shabbat Shalom. Adrian, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for unpacking that poem. So beautifully. 100%. Thank you All for right. unpacking our Torah so beautifully for us, Remy. <laughs> of course. All right. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.